What's up, everybody, and welcome back for another segment of the FanCast Live podcast. I am Giancarlo, your host. On Thursday, Mets fans were in anticipation of Trevor Bauer's decision on where he was going to play in 2021 and beyond. Mets fans were ecstatic that there was a strong possibility that he was going to come to New York. But then there's also that possibility that he may head home to the L.A. Dodgers. So it was a big fiasco. It was, you know, uh, it was a circus show. Um, Trevor Bauer ultimately chooses to sign with the L.A. Dodgers, a three-year deal worth $102 million. That's a pretty nice contract. He has opt-outs after years one and two. He's going to make $40 million in year one, $45 million in year two, and $17 million in year three if he doesn't opt out after years one and two. The Mets, on the other hand, made a similar offer to that of the Dodgers, where they too were offering a three-year deal. They uh, were also giving him opt-outs after years one and two, and he they were actually offering more money than the Dodgers. I don't know the specifics to, to the exact numbers the Mets were offering Bauer, but from what I understand and from what is being reported, that the Mets were giving him $105 million for the three years. Don't know how they were breaking up the contract, but from what I understand, it was going to have an AAV of $35 million per season. So that said, if that's the case... Trevor Bauer would make $85 million in the first two seasons with the Dodgers as opposed to $70 million possibly with the New York Mets. The main focus here for Trevor Bauer right from the beginning of the offseason and his negotiation process with the, both the Dodgers, the Mets, and whoever else came along to offer him a contract. The Blue Jays, I believe, were in on Bauer for a little while until the price just got too high for them. And I believe, you know, the Angels were also in, in the mix, and, and I'm sure there are other teams that were as well. The fact of the matter is is that Trevor Bauer's main focus was breaking Garrett Cole's AAV record of $36 million because Garrett Cole, up until Trevor Bauer signs on a dotted line, was the richest baseball player on a annual basis. He's making an average of $36 million per year. Trevor Bauer's focus was ultimately breaking that record. And he's going to do that with the $40 million he gets the first year with the Dodgers. And then in the second year, he's going to break his own record with the $45 million he makes in year two. Whereas opposed to the Mets, they wanted to stay under the luxury tax threshold and weren't meeting Trevor Bauer's AAV, um, desired AAV. So was Trevor Bauer's focus going to a winner and ultimately winning a championship, or was Trevor Bauer's focus making as much money as he could? Now, you can argue that Trevor Bauer isn't the best player in baseball and probably doesn't deserve the $40 million and the $45 million he's getting in the first two years of his contract. And if you were to say that, I would ultimately agree with you. But the fact of the matter is, it's not about Trevor Bauer being the best. The whole point of giving Trevor Bauer nothing more than a two- or three-year deal was because no team in baseball, knowing his 
reputation, quote unquote, on social media and, you know, his antics, because you guys remember him being pulled out of a game in Cleveland where I think it was Terry Francona that came in to pull him out. And instead of handing the ball over to his manager, Terry Francona, he turned around and threw the ball over the center field wall and walked off the mound. He was very apologetic about it. He, you know, he obviously disrespected his manager. He disrespected his teammates. He disrespected most of all the game. And that's the personality that a lot of teams don't want to uh, deal with. So teams were looking to give him as much money as they could up front to get him to sign, help him win a championship, and hope that he would, you know, walk away after year one and maybe even year two and not have to deal with him after year three. So what really was Trevor Bauer's focus? But that is not the biggest topic of conversation on social media. The biggest topic of conversation, obviously, was whether or not he trolled the Mets and its fan base. Now, I'm, I'm speaking about the Mets fans because I'm all over social media and I've been reading up on a lot of crap that's been posted the last couple of days and it's ridiculous. The I, I mean, I understand that you're, you're spilling your emotions, you're angry. I am angry too because, quite honestly, I wanted Trevor Bauer too. I like the idea of him coming here on a short-term basis and being part of a rotation that already has Jacob DeGrom, Carlos Carrasco, Marcus Stroman, eventually Noah Syndergaard, um, Joey Lucchese, David Peterson. I mean, Trevor Bauer would have ultimately made, helped the Mets get into the World Series conversation. Because, quite honestly, after the trade for Lindor and Carrasco, a lot of people were putting the Mets in the conversation of world, the World Series conversation. I don't think that I ultimately I think that makes them contenders. I don't know if they make that makes them World Series favorites. I still think they need more. Trevor Bauer would have been the piece the Mets needed to get to the World Series. Possibly get to the World Series. But let's get back to the topic of conversation. Mets fans are outraged because they feel Trevor Bauer trolled them. He trolled the organization. He trolled the fans. And I just want to explain something. And this is just the way I see it. Like I said, I'm angry that Trevor Bauer is not in the New York Mets uniform. But does this ultimately make it or break it for the New York Mets? No. They have... You know, a lot of Mets fans are talking about, oh, well, it's no big deal. We didn't want Trevor Bauer anyway. We can use that 40 to $45 million elsewhere. Yeah, well, if you would have signed Trevor Bauer, you're right. If you would have signed Trevor Bauer, you probably wouldn't have been able to use up any more money to go sign other players to add depth to your roster, to your lineup. So, for instance, a center fielder, you wouldn't have been able to go out and get a, you know, possibly get Jackie Bradley Jr. I'm not saying that he will end up in the Mets uniform, but I'm saying after George Spring, after missing out on George Springer, Jackie Bradley Jr. is obviously the the next step down. He's plan B. But again, let's get back to the topic here. So Mets fans feel that he trolled them. 
And the reason why is because during the course of the day on Thursday, reports started coming out. I think John Heyman reported that the Mets had given Trevor Bauer a 12 o'clock deadline to make a decision on whether he was going to sign with the Mets or the Dodgers. Then it was reported by John Heyman. He actually retracted that and said, actually, there is no deadline. Maybe it was uh, Andy Martino that, that, that reported that. I don't know. I'm not quite sure. So there was no deadline. So I don't know where John Heyman got his, but who his source was on that and why he would post that. And I don't know. I, I wouldn't even understand why the Mets would ultimately give him a deadline to make a decision. You know, that just doesn't make sense to me. Then as the day progressed, and I'm sure that Trevor Bauer is sitting at home or in an office with his agent, contemplating what he's going to do, trying to make a decision on where he wants to play. Does he want to go and, you know, and, and, and come here in New York, be in the uh, big city in the bright lights, or go to L.A. where it's sunny and beautiful? And, you know, he, he'd be close to home. So at some point during the course of the day, I think Trevor Bauer did make a decision, and his decision was to sign with the New York Mets. So he posted Mets merchandise on his website. I believe it was a Mets hat with his autograph on it and some LFGM stuff and quickly he got a lot of interest from Mets fans. He he had thousands of Mets fans signing up for to his email list where they ultimately got an email saying I can't wait to come to the New York Mets and pitch for the Mets blah 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 blah. Now this is what I'm reading. And then soon after the merchandise was taken down, I believe it was in what within five minutes, I believe he, he took down that merchandise. So what exactly happened that caused him to take down the merchandise? Did his people make a mistake and post that merchandise or did something else happen? Like I said, I truly believe that Trevor Bauer had decided on the New York Mets. And maybe after posting the merchandise, people in the L.A. front office may have noticed and at the 11th hour made one final call to Trevor Bauer's agent and made them an offer they couldn't refuse. Because like I said at the top of the show, Trevor Bauer's main focus I don't think was winning or going to a championship caliber team. I believe his main focus this whole time during negotiations was breaking the annual average value held by Garrett Cole. So from what we understand, the Mets were offering an AAV of up to $35 million a year, which was not going to meet Trevor Bauer's um, AAV of $37 million or more. He wasn't, it wasn't going to meet his desired AAV. 
So the Dodgers may have called in the 11th hour and said, you know what, we're going to give you the three years and we'll give you the opt-outs in years one and two and we'll offer you $40 million in year one and $45 million in year two. That's our final offer. And Trevor Bauer probably got this big-ass smile on his face and he accepted. And that may have been the five minutes where the merchandise hit his website and the time to receive this phone call where he changed his mind from going to New York and going and instead going to LA. That's what I think ultimately happened because I truly don't believe that Trevor Bauer would troll Mets fans into signing up for his email list, posting Mets merchandise with his autograph on it, and then quickly taking it down unless something happened in between the time that he posted that merchandise and the the possibility of receiving a phone call from the L.A. Dodgers. I you can't believe everything that you hear in the media because common sense would say that there's a good possibility that that's what transpired. The media just basically wants to set the narrative. But you have to dig for the truth and you ultimately have to decide what's fact and what's fiction. I truly don't believe for a second that he trolled New York Mets fans or the Mets organization. Trevor Bauer is a lot smarter than we give him credit for. Could this have been a, you know, a marketing strategy by Trevor Bauer to get Mets fans to sign up to his email list? It's it's quite possible if he had made a decision to sign with the New York Mets, you know, duh. Yeah. What, what was there to gain for Trevor Bauer by having Mets fans sign up to his email list by posting Mets merchandise with his autograph on it? What was there to gain except a lot of angry Mets fans? There's just, there was nothing to gain. Nothing, because he posts the Mets merchandise. Mets fans are excited. They're ecstatic. They sign up to his email list and yada, yada, yada. And then he decides to go to L.A. What are those Mets fans going to do with that email list? They're going to unsubscribe. So what's there to gain for Trevor Bauer? Nothing but a lot of angry, thousands of angry Mets fans. So... Think about what could have happened. Don't go with what, you know, the media is pushing out there because, quite frankly, they're the ones that trolled Mets fans, not Trevor Bauer. The media did. They got, you, they got the Mets fan base so excited from the, the moment that it was being reported that Trevor Bauer was going to make a decision at some point on Thursday and he had reported that he was going to make a decision and post it on his YouTube channel at some point at 2 o'clock. But 2 o'clock came and went, and that decision was never posted. It wasn't until after that he posted the video. And 
I'm sure his production crew had to work rather quickly because after he posted the Mets merchandise, it, it was quickly taken down. His website, I think, had a video of him in, in, in a Reds jersey pitching in slow-mo. So his website was taken down, and it was down for quite some time until it was put back up with Dodger stuff. His YouTube channel finally released a video of his announcement, and it pissed off a lot of Mets fans. I still think that ultimately what happened is that he was, he had decided on the New York Mets. He was going to come to New York. He was going to uh, wear a Mets uniform. But in the 11th hour, I think the Dodgers came in and said, all right, fine, we're going to give you that record AAV. Because quite honestly, the Dodgers, since this uh, new ownership group has taken over, have um, they've spent a lot of money in their players and their development and their farm system and analytics. They've spent a ton of money. This is why the Dodgers are now the New York Yankees of the 90s. They are very good. So that brings up to the next topic of conversation. What does this mean for the New York Mets? Well, in this whole negotiation process, the discussion was the Mets need Trevor Bauer to beat the L.A. Dodgers to get to a World Series. And that's ultimately a fact because the Dodgers are the best team in the National League by far. I mean, the Atlanta Braves gave them a run for their money in the playoffs last year, but I still think the Dodgers are the team to beat in the NL, in, in the National League. Period. But now the thing is, is whether or not Trevor Bauer signs with the Mets or not, why is the topic of conversation the Mets beating the Dodgers when they haven't even won their own division and beaten their own division rivals the last few seasons? Ex expectations were high in 2018, 2019, 2020. Everybody's talking about how the Mets were going to make the playoffs and the closest they made it to the playoffs was three games within a wild card in 2019. They started 10 games under 500 in the first half of the season. They went 20 games over 500 in the second half, finished 10 games over 500, but it was still three games short of that wild card. The Nationals end up getting in, and guess who won the World Series? The Nationals. That could have easily been the New York Mets. I'm not saying that they would have won the World Series, but that could have been the New York Mets and not the Nationals. So... To have a conversation about the Mets being the best team in the National League and talking about, you know, getting Trevor Bauer so that you can beat the Dodgers before you even sp speak about the teams in your own division, because the Atlanta Braves have won the division, what, three years in a row now? The Nationals were World Series champions in 2019, and they didn't even win the division. So... Would Trevor Bauer have put the Mets over the top, maybe helped them win this division in 2021? Absolutely. I was a big fan about I was a big fan of Trevor Bauer coming to the Mets on a short-term deal. I felt that a short-term deal was perfect, 2-3 years max. Get him in, win a championship, get him out. 
if everybody's concern was his personality and his antics on on social media, then get him in here, win a championship, get him out of here. Don't give him a long-term deal. And that was that was the focus of many teams in Major League Baseball who were interested in signing Trevor Bauer. But when Trevor Bauer's asking AAV, desired AAV was uh, set forth, a lot of teams were taken back by it. They were like, oh, we're not interested. There's no way we're going to give you that much money up front. But... Ultimately, that's what you want to do with a player like Trevor Bauer, who you think is going to be a headache at some point during a long-term deal. Get him in for a couple of years, two, three years max. Get him out. The Trevor Bauer would have ultimately been the final piece for the New York Mets in 2021 as far as going deep into the playoffs. Now, I don't know if he ultimately gets you to the World Series. There's a good, strong possibility that he does with the fact that you have Jacob deGrom, Marcus Stroman, Carlos Carrasco, eventually Noah Syndergaard, David Peterson, Joey Lucchese. You have a really deep rotation if Trevor Bauer signs with the New York Mets. But they don't have Trevor Bauer. But does that mean that the Mets can't make it deep into the playoffs with what they have? Yeah, they still can. But the fact of the matter is, is you have to you have to win games. This is the reason why you play games. You have to you have to get to the top of the division because that was ultimately the Mets' goal is to get Trevor Bauer to win the division, and then everything else, you know, would come later. Getting past the first round, the second round, the World Series, and winning it ultimately. That was the desired goal by the New York Mets. Now. Without Trevor Bauer, you obviously might have a tougher road ahead. You may or may not win the division. I don't know. It depends on how well the other teams in the division play. The Marlins got in the playoffs in 2020. They weren't supposed to be there, but they made it there. The Mets had an awful season in 2020 because their pitching rotation was just totally dismantled by injury. Noah Syndergaard losing, you know, losing Noah Syndergaard in spring training to a blown out elbow that required Tommy John surgery hurt the Mets big time. Then you had the pandemic, you had the freeze, came back in July, Marcus Stroman tears his calf, he's out for weeks. Just prior to coming off the IL to start a, a game in Miami, he decides he wants to opt out uh, due to coronavirus concerns. Obviously, Miami being a hot spot back then, he didn't quite feel comfortable making a trip down to Miami. He could have just said, listen, you know what? I'll come back if I only pitch when I when we're home. I'm going to stay home. You guys travel. I'm going to stay here. I don't think the Mets would have gone with that, but I'm saying uh, I call bullshit on Marcus Stroman's decision to opt out. I think ultimately what he decided was the, the decision he made was ultimately to stay out the rest of the season get back to 100% health, being that that calf injury could be something that can come back and bite him in the butt eventually and probably would have eventually required some surgery maybe. He could have retorn it, re-aggravated it, been out more time. So he didn't want to take the chance. He decided it was ultimately the, the best decision to just opt out, rest, and get ready for 2021. Now, Marcus Stroman wasn't supposed to be part of the plan in 2021 because the Mets didn't think he was going to come back. 
And I'm sure that the Mets front office then, it's a new front office now, but the front office then that was led by Brody Van Wagenen probably were a bit angry with Marcus Stroman and had the Wilpons and Brody Van Wagenen still running the organization, I'm sure that Marcus Stroman probably wouldn't have accepted the qualifying offer from the New York Mets. But being that Steve Cohen took over as the new owner, Sandy Olson came in as the new president, Marcus Stroman felt uh, a need to stay in New York, take the qualifying offer, and see where it leads, see where it goes. Because, quite honestly, he was all over social media trying to entice the New York Yankees to sign him. Uh, He was ready to jump ship and go to the Yankees because ultimately that's where most people want to go, to a team that is going to be ready to win a championship now. And the Yankees have been ready for a a few years now. They just have not been able to get past the AL championship game because, quite frankly, they just don't have the pitching to do it. And even now with Garrett Cole in place, you still don't have enough pitching because Tanaka's gone, Paxton's gone. Uh, you went and got um, a couple of pitchers, but you know I, I still don't think it's enough. I mean, you still got to get through a lot of good teams in in the um, in the AL. They have the offense. That there's no doubt about it. You got some high prize players on that team, and Giancarlo Stanton, and eventually uh, Aaron Judge, and you got Aaron Hicks, who they signed to a long term deal, and now wish they they had not. Um, you know, Severino's coming back from Tommy John surgery as well. You know, he went out early last year and required Tommy John surgery. We don't know exactly when he's due to be back, but that's a discussion for another another podcast. So ultimately, I think the Mets are still in good shape, even without Trevor Bauer, because like I said, had you added Trevor Bauer in this rotation, it would have been dominant. But it's still dominant, even without Trevor Bauer, because you still have the likes of Jacob DeGrom, who I ultimately think is the best pitcher in baseball still. He was on the verge of winning his third NL Cy Young Award, but because the season was shortened, Jacob DeGrom didn't get the opportunity to win that NL Cy Young. His ERA jumped up a little bit with his last two starts of the season in 2020, and it cost him. Uh, It could have been his opportunity to win the third in a row. That would have been awesome. But quite frankly, just because Trevor Bauer is getting $40 million this year, uh, 2021 and $45 million in 2022, doesn't make him the best pitcher in baseball, doesn't make him the best player in baseball. He's just a player that's getting the most money. And... I still think the Mets have enough with DeGrom, Carrasco, Stroman, Peterson, Lucchese, and eventually Noah Syndergaard, possibly in June, hopefully sooner. But that's the biggest question mark right now, and I think that's the reason why the Mets still need to go out and get themselves a little more depth in the rotation because you don't know what you're going to get out of Noah Syndergaard when he comes back from his rehab stint. Is he going to still be that hard-throwing power pitcher? What the Mets are waiting for is Noah Syndergaard to become a pitcher and not a thrower. He needs to be a bit more smarter. I, I mean, you have Jacob deGrom in this rotation. 
every pitcher in that rotation for the New York Mets should in some way emulate what Jacob deGrom does. Because Jacob deGrom doesn't just throw, he pitches. He is smart. He knows what he's doing out there. He studies these hitters uh, in, in, in his dreams, in his sleep. You know, he watches plenty of video, and I'm sure there's plenty of analytics that tell him what, um, you know, a, a hitter's um, tendencies are. Noah Syndergaard, on the other hand, is just a flamethrower. He thinks that his fastball is unhittable. He thinks that his slider is unhittable. And he's been proven wrong on many occasions. And that's why I think he needs to become a, a smarter pitcher and not just a thrower. But I still think that the Mets rotation is still in pretty good shape, especially after the acquisition of Lindor and Carrasco that added another pitcher in that rotation. So coming in, going into the offseason, the Mets were looking at a possibility of being without three-fifths of their rotation. So basically the only two pitchers that they felt were coming back for sure were going to be Jacob deGrom and David Peterson. Marcus Stroman was possibly going to hit free agency if he had not accepted the qualifying offer. Noah Syndergaard wasn't going to be around until the earliest June. You know, Rick Porcello and Michael Walker weren't being tendered contracts, and it was a good possibility that the Mets weren't going to tender Steven Matz a contract. And it's a good thing they did because, and it was a smart decision by uh, on the Mets' part to, to bring back Steven Matz, even for $5.3 million, because now you don't have to worry about filling another rotation spot. You would, you know what you have with Steven Matz. You just have to work. They, they were going to work with him diligently on trying to fix his mental part of the game. But now Steven Matz is gone. He's been traded to Toronto for three prospects, uh, one of which has major league um, experience. The other two, I believe, May or may not have been uh, may may or may not have gotten any major league baseball experience, but either way, they're prospects. They they add depth to the New York Mets farm system, and the Mets rotation and the Mets bullpen. They may or may not help this year. Who knows? I don't know, but they dumped that five point three million dollars. They actually got something back in return for Steven Matz instead of allowing him to be a free agent and sign elsewhere and get nothing in return. So those are the things that. Um, you know, really jump out. But now the main focus for the Mets should be what? I still think they need to add some more depth to this rotation. Now, I don't know if it's going to take a Jake Odorizzi. I don't know if the Mets are interested in bringing him here for three, three four years because I think that's what his asking price is, is right now. I think he's looking for a somewhat short-term deal uh, to where he can possibly get, you know, anywhere from 15 to $18 million a year. James Paxson is another option, obviously not on a long-term deal. I think he's a one-year fix uh, as insurance to Noah Syndergaard in case he, you know, he comes off the uh, the injured list and uh, gets off to a slow start, maybe you know stumbles out of the gate. You know, he may be insurance. It's just added depth is what I'm thinking of right now. I don't necessarily think you need to go out and get yourself a superstar and you need to go trade for somebody uh, where you need to you know, give up assets for. I think you need to find yourself a depth piece. It doesn't have to necessarily be an Odorizzi or a Paxton. 
Fultinowitz, who just signed with the Rangers, would have been a great um, acquisition, a free agent acquisition, because a lot of people think he's got a lot of upside. Uh, I know that the Mets are currently looking at um, what's his face from the Phillies, Arietta, Jake Arietta. Um, listen, I don't, I don't know what the situation with Jake Arietta is. He, he may or may not be done. I know he had uh, a pitching session where some teams came to look at him. The Mets are interested. I don't know if they're really, really interested, but you know they're obviously going to keep uh, their options open. But I'm sure that the Mets are going to look to add depth to this rotation. It's not going to be a Trevor Bauer type pitcher, but it's going to be something to add more depth. Now, I think now that the Mets should turn their focus to their other needs, center field possibly. I know Jackie Bradley Jr.'s name has been coming coming up a lot lately, but there's no guarantee that they, you know Jackie Bradley Jr. wants to come to New York. I think he's looking for a three four year deal. I don't know if the Mets are going to be willing to give him that with Pete Crow Armstrong. Um, developing in the farm system right now, he may or may not be ready in three, four years, where I think a Jackie Bradley Jr. would be a perfect fit for three years, being that after his you know year three contract is over, P. Crow Armstrong could come up from the farm system and possibly fill that center field um, void as a young kid coming out of the farm, you know, a homegrown player for the New York Mets. So... Keep an eye on that. I mean, there's a strong possibility that the Mets may look to stay put and leave Brandon Nimmo in center field. He can play the position. All right? Nobody is saying that he can't play center field at all. Nobody is saying that Brandon Nimmo doesn't belong in center field. He can play. He plays a decent center field. He doesn't play an extraordinarily good defensive center field. He has to cheat on many occasions by playing deep or playing shallow or playing to, into the gap, whatever the case is, that's what Brandon Nimmo has to do in order to be a um, a better defensive center fielder. So if Brandon Nimmo stays in center, what's going to happen with left field? There's always a possibility that the Mets might go and sign somebody to play left field. They don't. They might not have to because with the... With Major League Baseball still holding, you know, the universal DH, they're dangling it over the National League because they can't come up with a decision or they can't come up with an agreement with the Players Association on whether or not they should have the universal DH. Um, I think it's kind of silly that the that Major League Baseball and the Players Association still can't see eye to eye. It, it, it's kind of sad that they're still bickering over the stupidest fucking shit that you could possibly imagine. It's just so aggravating. I mean, let's talk about that proposal that Major League Baseball made to the Players Association. The last proposal supposedly was for a 156-game season or 154-game season, I forget which, which would have ultimately started the season about a month later. So instead of April, I think it would start in May. It was short in the season, and... Obviously, for coronavirus reasons, because obviously there's still a big concern over, you know, COVID-19 with the vaccine being, you know, distributed right now, you know, they're being given to, to elderly and frontline people mostly right now. Uh, Major League Baseball doesn't know when the players are going to be 
um, able to get those vaccines. If, you know, they can get it within the next month, that'd be great. You know, then they would start the season with these players vaccinated and might not have to worry about COVID-19 protocols as much as they would have if they don't have those vaccines. But either way, the proposal Major League Baseball is making is obviously to look out for the well-being of the players, the front office people, the staff members, the owners, and yada, 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 yada. But part of that proposal was the universal DH and an extended playoff format. Now, if you guys remember in 2020, they had extended the format to 16 teams, whereas opposed to in 2021, they want to only extend it to 14 teams. So that it won't be half the league in the playoffs. It'll just be almost half the league in the playoffs. But the Players Association declined. They they rejected it. So it forced Major League Baseball to say, okay, well, we're going to start the season on schedule, as scheduled. We're going to have spring training as scheduled starting February, I think, 17th, I think, is when pitchers and catchers are supposed to report, or maybe even sooner than that. And we're going to start the season as scheduled on April 1st, I think it is. And we're going to play 162 games, and we're not going to have the universal DH, and we're not going to have the extended playoff format. So unless the Players Association really um, stops playing these freaking games, uh, I mean, there's so much, there's, there's no trust whatsoever by the Players Association. They don't trust anything that Major League Baseball does. They think that there's a reason for everything. Uh, The obvious reason here is for health and well-being, the health and safety of the players and everybody else involved. I mean, would it hurt the league to start a month later? Would it hurt the Players Association to accept the universal DH? opening up work and more jobs for players in a national league. I mean, I was opposed to the, to the DH for many, many years until I finally started to realize, you know, this guy may be up, up there in age and he might, and his, um, his skills might have diminished defensively to the point where he can't play on the field can't be an outfielder, can't be an infielder, but he can still hit and it would give teams the flexibility of using that player as a designated hitter because ultimately that's all you want him to do is hit because he can still hit. But the Players Association doesn't want to hear it. And and I'm surprised that the players don't side with the owners on that on that because quite honestly the union is supposed to be looking out for your well-being, and your well-being is creating more work, and the Players Association is not doing that. Major League Baseball is because they want the Universal DH in the National League because they want to offer more work. So all this bickering back and forth, hopefully, you know, they'll come up with a solution. They'll try to meet halfway, which is something that they never do anyway. Because, again, the Players Association refuses to accept any proposal by Major League Baseball because of the fact that 
they just don't trust them. They they feel like Major League Baseball is up to something. Oh well, they're they're deciding that because they're they're up to something. I know for a fact that they're you know they're up to something. They they want to screw us. Come on, man. Tony Clark is doing an awful job. I mean, it's obvious that they need to change that whole players association regime because obviously they have no trust in major league baseball and doing the right thing baseball major league baseball is trying to do the right thing and the players association continues to reject any proposal and any counter which we haven't heard of any since major league baseball has made this proposal there hasn't been a counter by the players association and that's pretty sad because i mean what counter can you offer to what Major League Baseball just offered you? They're looking out for the well-being of your players. You should be too. So I I don't know where the Players Association and the people in the higher-ups of the Players Association think the Major League Baseball is trying to get one on on the uh, players. But the CBA is due to expire after the 2021 season, so it's going to be pretty interesting to see the nego- what the negotiation process is going to be um, after the 2021 season, heading into 2022. Some people believe that there's going to be a stoppage of work. There's going to be a stoppage. Uh, there's going to be a strike. There's going to be a player strike. There's going to be a lockout of some sort. There's going to be a stoppage. And if that's the case, if that's going to be the case, that there's going to be some sort of stoppage, Major League Baseball is going to lose a lot of fans again. If you guys remember, if you guys were around the last time that this has happened, Major League Baseball lost a lot of its fans, and it took them a very, 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 very long time to win them back. Okay? The stadiums were nearly empty. No one was coming to watch a game. No one was going to waste their money to come watch a game. So I hope that the Players Association and Major League Baseball do the right thing here, get a deal done, make a decision on the Universal DH and make a decision on a playoff format, you know, look out for the well-being of the players and help baseball grow. That I mean, basically, that is the goal here. Revenue, obviously, is going to be the big topic of conversation. How much money are the players going to make from that revenue? What is going to be their share of it? It's obvious that the players, most players make a lot of money. But then there are all those players who make minimum. Those are the players that the Players Association should be looking out for. Not the players that are making millions and millions and millions of dollars. The ones that they should be looking out for are the ones that are making minimum. Those are the ones that are going to suffer the most. So it's important that the Players Association looks out for those players. Okay, this is not about those who are making millions. The ones who got hurt the most last year in 2020 are the ones who make a minimum wage. You know, if you take, you know, 25, 30%, 40%, 50% right off the top, how much money did those players make? 
those making millions of dollars still went home with millions of dollars. I mean, granted, Garrett Cole didn't go home with $36 million last year, but he still went home, I think, with $19 million. I mean, who wants to lose, you know, $17 million? I surely don't want to lose it. Garrett Cole doesn't want to lose it. But who's it going to hurt most? Garrett Cole, who's making still $19 million? Or is it going to hurt the one that's making a league minimum of what? 300000 Takes Take 50% of that. What are they going home with after taxes? Jack shit. So Players Association really needs to wake the fuck up. Seriously. But the New York Mets still do have a lot of work to do. They miss out on Springer. And I was a big fan of Springer coming here to the New York Mets. But again, like Bauer, I liked George Springer on a short-term deal. I didn't like Springer on that six-year deal that was being offered by Toronto and the Mets. The Mets obviously were offering the same six-year deal, only they were giving him, I think, $30 million less than what Toronto offered. Toronto was willing to go to the $25 million AAV, whereas the Mets uh, only wanted to go to $20 million per. I like Springer on a short-term deal because, again, he is 31 years old. He is playing a premier position in the outfield at center. At 31 years old, you have to think that within the next couple of years, two, three years max, his skills are going to start to diminish. He's not going to have the same skill set at 33, 34 that he had at 30, 31. So there's a good chance that probably after year three of his six-year deal, the Mets will probably be looking for another position for George Springer. Right field is probably, hopefully, going to be taken by Michael Conforto if he signs an extension, if the Mets ever give him one. And in left field, you would think that Brandon Nimmo, if George Springer would have signed, Brandon Nimmo would have moved over there, and eventually the Mets would have signed him to an extension. That position would be locked up. So where do you put Springer? You have nowhere to put Springer. Nowhere. So had Springer come to the Mets and said, you know, I'll take a three-year deal, give me a higher AAV, and I'll be happy, I think that would have been a great fit for the New York Mets. Just like Bauer, giving him a three-year deal with a high AAV, get him in, win a championship, get him out. Because like I said, in three years, peak, P. Crow Armstrong is probably going to be ready to take over center field for the New York Mets. Hopefully, he's going to develop into the center fielder that we all hope he will develop into. But, you know, what was the other player? J.T. Realmuto. Again, same situation with, you know, as George Springer. J.T. Realmuto is 30 years old. How many more years can J.T. Realmuto catch behind the plate? At the age of 30, he's already having issues with his hips, his knees. He's, you know, he's a lot of wear and tear as a catcher. How many more years can JT Realmuto play behind the dish? Now, everybody's outraged by the fact that just recently he signed, what, a five-year deal, I think it was, for $115 million to stay in Philadelphia. And Mets fans are in an outrage because 
Oh my God, he signed five years, $150 million. Uh, the Mets could have signed him to that. Yeah, that's now. Because obviously there is no competition out there for JT Romuto. The Mets were the only competition for the Phillies. The only competition. I don't think there was any other team in Major League Baseball that was interested in signing a catcher besides the New York Mets. At least a high-profile catcher. The Mets end up with James with James McCann, who was, um, you know, number two on the market. But the the biggest um, debate was how far of a skill set gap was there between JTL Romuto and James McCann. Yeah, there might be a big gap in skill set, but the Mets got the guy they wanted at the price they wanted, four years at $10 million per for $40 million over four years. That's a good contract. James McCann showed some improvement offensively the last two seasons, and he's an exceptional defensive catcher, which is something the Mets have been missing the last two seasons with Wilson Ramos behind the plate. All right? Seven, eight weeks ago, JT Realmuto's asking price was not five years, $115 million. Seven, eight weeks ago, JT Realmuto's asking price was seven years, over uh, about $200 million. Okay? That was not doable for the New York Mets. They were not going to sign a 30-year-old catcher to a seven-year deal for $200 million. I'm sorry, it wasn't going to happen. Because, again, like George Springer, in three years max... JT Realmuto will have to find a new position to play. And the Mets don't have a position for him to play. First base is being occupied by two players in Peter Alonso and Dom Smith. Now, I don't know if in, you know, three, four years, both of those players will still be on this Mets roster. There's a good possibility that one of them may be gone. Maybe both of them will still be here. One will be a full-time DH. The other one will be a full-time first baseman. Who knows? I don't know what's going to happen in after the expiration of the CBA and a new CBA is negotiated. You can't put him, I mean, what what other position in the infield would you put him? You can't put him at second. You can't put him at short. You got Lindor. Hopefully he'll stay. And I don't know if he plays the hot corner. I don't think he would. I don't think he wants to, and I don't think the Mets would be willing to do that. Where else are you going to put him? In the outfield? You got a crowded outfield. Again, same situation as Springer. After three years, what do you do with J.T. Almuto? You're going to have to pay him for four more years had the Mets signed him to that seven-year, $200 million deal. Just think about it. It didn't make sense for the New York Mets. It made sense for the New York Mets to sign Trevor Bauer at on a, on a, on a huge AAV, $35 million per, as long as it kept them under the luxury tax threshold, it made sense for them because Trevor Bauer ultimately was going to be the piece in that rotation that was going to give the Mets the best chance to get to a World Series. I'm not saying win a World Series, but get to a World Series. But now the Mets are going to turn around and spread that money around a little bit more. You know, try to find another option for center field, try to find an option for left field, whatever the case is, leave Brandon Nimmo in, in, in center and find yourself a left fielder. I don't care. Just upgrade your outfield defense because the J.D. Davis, Dom Smith experiment in left field needs to end, and it needs to end now, regardless of how good their bats are in that lineup. 
the Mets will have to find other ways to get J.D. Davis and Dom Smith in the lineup if they're not going to be in the lineup full-time. It, it, it definitely makes that bench better. That's for sure. But the Mets are going to have to do something. They're going to need to go out and get themselves another pitcher to add depth to that starting rotation. And you can, you can never have enough bullpen arms. And that's that. I mean, Trevor Bauer is not going to be in a Mets uniform. It's unfortunate. We're very upset about it. I'm upset about it. I'm sure you guys are all upset about it. But the fact of the matter is, is this was a business decision by Trevor Bauer to get the highest AAV because ultimately that was his focus. His focus was beating Gary Cole's AAV record of $36 million. And he's going to do that in his first season and then again in his second season, breaking his own record. The Mets weren't willing to meet his desired AAV, even though they offered more money. So Trevor Bauer goes to L.A., L.A. now becomes the team to beat in the National League. The discussion was if Trevor Bauer would have signed with the Mets, they would have been in good shape to beat the Dodgers. But my argument here is, why are we thinking about the Dodgers when we still can't even win our own division? We still have to beat the, the, the Braves, the Nationals, the Phillies, and the Marlins. Concentrate on the division first before you start concentrating on the Dodgers. Because winning a division is going to guarantee you a postseason spot. Not winning the division doesn't guarantee you anything. You have to earn a wild card. Now, granted, the Mets have the talent to do that. The question is going to be, that. well, the thing is going to be that they're going to have a tougher road to the World Series as opposed to winning the division. Trevor Bauer would have done that for the Mets. But unfortunately, he's going to L.A. Did he troll the New York Mets fans and the New York Mets organization? I don't think he did. I really think that he ultimately had decided on the New York Mets, and then in the 11th hour, the Dodgers made an offer he couldn't refuse and took down the merchandise, took down the, the video, and blah, 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 and ultimately made the announcement that he was going to the Dodgers instead. I... I'm not upset at Trevor Bauer. I'm not going to insult him in any way. His agent did the right thing by him. She um, did a great job. Trevor Bauer is a lot smarter than we give him credit for. He is not dumb at all. He is a very intelligent person. He has done his research, and you can't knock him for that. Well, all right, that's all I got. Hope you guys enjoy that segment. Make sure to look for me on social media at Fancast Live on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Check out all my episodes at anchor.fm slash Fancast Live, as well as all other major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you want to reach out to me personally, send all email correspondence to fancastlive at gmail.com. Till the next time, let's go Mets. Peace out.